Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. I am your co-host, Brian LaPrey, and with me, as always, I can call you it again, the man, Bear Julio. I can take it this time because we are not talking about Becky Lynch tonight. We are not, but we are talking about something big. We are talking about a title that was vacated, and this time it is the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Whew. We don't know why it was vacated, other than the fact that Sami Zayn, the former champion now, couldn't compete. They didn't really explain as to why, but they vac- you know, WWE decided to vacate the title on an episode of WWE Backstage, which was pretty random. But now, we get to talk about it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, here we are, and we are obviously, you know, in the... Hunt for a new champion, one of the most prestigious titles in all of professional wrestling. WWE on Fox recently tweeted out the new Intercontinental Champion should be, obviously left blank. And we're going to fill in that blank. And first, well, but first, rather, we're going to talk about a response to that tweet. And that response was from Sami Zayn. And his response was, ashamed of themselves. (laughs) I like that, (laughs) <laughs> but unfortunately for Sami Zayn, a new Intercontinental Champion will be crowned. Unlike the Cruiserweight title, it will not be interim. Sami will have to come back and reclaim his gold if he so pleases. But for now, we speculate because that's what we do. We don't know who's going to be in the match yet. Uh, they yeah, haven't announced the participants. Or yeah, excuse me. When I say match, I mean tournament. It's late. Cut me some slack. But essentially, there is a tournament to crown a new Intercontinental Champion. Obviously, it will be all SmackDown wrestlers. So essentially, what we're getting at is we're going to give you our top picks to become the new Intercontinental Champion. And that all begins with a former Intercontinental Champion, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan has one Intercontinental Championship to his resume, as well as one World Heavyweight Championship, four WWE Championships, a, a tag team championship with Kane, a, ta- a SmackDown tag-, tag team championship with Rowan. I completely forgot that reign. Um, United States champion one time, uh, Money in the Bank winner. He's he's really done it all. Yeah. But I remember when he won that Intercontinental Championship a few years ago at WrestleMania. It was so cool, and I thought for sure that that was going to be the man to kind of lead the charge into how prestigious the Intercontinental Championship could be again, you know, make the yep. title again. Um, that obviously didn't happen due to the injuries shortly after that actually forced Daniel to retire. And um, he actually had to vacate the championship then as well, correct? Yeah. Unfortunately, that was the temporary end of his in-ring career. Um, after really one of the best ladder matches in WrestleMania history, um, or just in history, a uh, crowning moment. As Bear said, it kind of seemed like he would be the one who would restore the prominence to the title, a title that has always been looked at as, I think it's fair to say, the workhorse title in professional wrestling, or at sure. least in WWE. Uh, you know, the list of former champions, I mean, obviously it dates back to guys like Pedro Morales and Don Morocco, you know, but in recent years, or rather over the past 30 or so years, you know, you look at it, Randy Savage, you know, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels. I guess more recently, you got guys like Dolph Ziggler and The Miz. You have Shelton Benjamin, Chris Jericho, 
and sorry, Chris Benoit. A lot of all-time great wrestlers and or characters held that title, increased its prestige. You know, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon had one of the most iconic matches of all time over that title, the first ever, quote-unquote, ladder match. Um, You know, it's always meant something, and it's always been something that propels wrestlers to the next level while highlighting the fact that they're great in the ring and, you know, Daniel Bryan, I, I'm not going to say he's the best wrestler in the world, but I think you'd have a hard time finding someone who's outright better. Oh, so, you know, if, if that's what that title is, you know, who better than Daniel Bryan to kind of wear that around his waist and almost do for that title what John Cena did for the U.S. title, where he just has great match after great match with up and coming stars who can be made off of the name that is Daniel Bryan. Nailed it. Nailed it on the head. Like, Daniel Bryan could be that guy to reclaim the prominence of the Intercontinental Championship, like Brian mentioned. It's, it, it's almost, it, like he said, it's the workhorse title, and you knew that the Intercontinental, you know, when we were growing up, you knew that the Intercontinental Champion, whoever it was, like, when I remember when Christian won it, for whatever reason, I sat there, I'm like, this is it. This is how he goes to the next level. Obviously for Christian, for example, that didn't quite happen as fast as it did for a guy like edge, for example. Yeah. Um, but I just remember it being the title to be like, okay, like this is, this is it in terms of like the main event spot for this superstars coming. Yeah. A guy like Daniel Bryan, who doesn't necessarily you know you could put daniel bryan anywhere on the card and he's going to give you a classic essentially right yeah and like he said the workhorse title there's there may not be a bigger workhorse in wwe than daniel bryan that is fair to say and uh that's also the perfect segue to another top five pick of ours to become intercontinental champion an optimistic pick we admit but someone who, if it's for the workhorses, it is for Cesaro. I hope. And, I hope. I hope. Yeah. I mean, look, through and through, one of the best wrestlers of all time. I mean, you got nobody really talks about the fact that this dude is six foot five, but he's six foot five. He's nimble. He's. I know that some people think that we're just saying this because we're fanboys. John Cena has said it. The Big Show has said it. Cesaro, pound for pound, is one of the strongest men in the history of WWE. Just because he's lean and has lean muscle doesn't change that. He is a force of nature. And he's done, you know, a a decent amount of things in WWE. You know, a six-time tag team champion. Uh, obviously with Sheamus as the bar, also with Tyson Kidd in one of the better tag teams of the past 10-15 years. Oh, they were amazing. And also, he did have a rather lengthy United States title run, which I think a lot of people thought was going to propel him to a higher place. Yep. Maybe this is what finally gets the job done. You know, we saw him with Paul Heyman, but as Paul Heyman himself has discussed, it was just... Poor timing on that decision. For sure. Um, but, you know, look, Cesaro is one of the best tag team wrestlers, really, of all time. I mean, Kings of Wrestling and Ring of Honor 
not just Ring of Honor, all around the independent scene in Japan as well. I mean, they, him and Chris Hero were outstanding. And then him and Sheamus, it was like immediate chemistry. He and Tyson Kidd, if Tyson Kidd had never gotten hurt, who knows how many titles those guys would have won. Yeah. You know, it, reality is, we it, Cesaro's not even underrated anymore because we all know that he's underrated. So it's like, Perfect. he's just, he's just a beast. And, you know, all, I guess what, two out of the three members of the Artist Collective have won the Intercontinental title? Why not a I'm third? I'm glad you went there because that's exactly where I was going to go. Cool. You know, obviously we know Nakamura had that run for a little bit. Yeah. You know, he lost it to Braun Strowman, who then lost it to another member of the Artist Collective, Sami Zayn, who just vacated the championship. So why not Cesaro, right? Yeah. And plus... You know, again, one-time United States champion, which Brian mentioned. He mentioned the five uh, tag team reigns with Sheamus and Tyson Kidd. Um, also, the Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy, um, the first ever, which that was another thing. I thought, okay, um, let's see where this goes for him, and it went absolutely nowhere. But that's okay because, you know, maybe, just maybe, WWE can kind of right that wrong with Cesaro now and give him a shot with the Intercontinental Championship. And like Daniel Bryan, he could really bring prestige back to it as long as they give him a lengthy competitive run. Unlike Nakamura's, which I felt personally that it wasn't as featured prom that's not it's not his fault, but it wasn't featured as prominently as it could have been. You know what it is? It's like I don't maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, when we were growing up, when everybody like when we were growing up was really kind of, you know, when televised wrestling became a big thing, you know what I mean? Like before, you know, there were there was televised wrestling, but you know, Monday Night Raw is not that old, you know what I mean? And three, right? Yeah, and, and you know, it's not that old. You know, the '80s didn't have Monday Night Raw. You know, '70s didn't have Monday Night Raw. So when you had televised wrestling titles like the Intercontinental Title, they were key elements of the show, and they would be defended on the show. The storylines would help carry you through the middle of the show to get back to the world title. That hasn't really happened in a long time with that title. And I think Cesaro, despite people saying, you know, oh, he can't talk, perhaps, but it's like, again, he's six foot five and he's not six foot five in an era where everyone looks like Triple H and The Rock. He's six foot five in an era where most of these star wrestlers are six foot or smaller. And when I say star, that could be Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and Finn Balor, or that could be Ricochet and all these, and Cedric Alexander and all these other rising stars. Cesaro is perfect to take on those guys. He can be a physical dominant force. And if you give him a mouthpiece like, I don't know, Sami Zayn, why can't you have that dude wrestle on a weekly basis? And just reestablish himself as a great wrestler, which he is. I mean, you know, you said the Andre the Giant Memorial. I agree. That should have propelled him. And then the very next year, he had the best U.S. Open Challenge match that John Cena had. And that is saying something because there were a lot of great matches through that. Cesaro stole the show with John Cena. We thought, here we go. And again, nothing. This is a chance to elevate him to that level where even if you never intend to make him a world champion, having him win this intercontinental title would establish him 
as the gatekeeper of WWE. Now he's won both of the, you know, second tier titles, IC in the United States. One of the best tag team wrestlers of the past 10 years. You know, Cesaro, I, I hate to use this word, and, you know, we didn't really want to go there with this, but, you know, Cesaro almost needs this. No, I I agree. Um, If anybody on our list needs there's one more guy in particular, and I know that you know who I'm talking about. But anybody actually needs this championship, it is Cesaro. Yeah. And if anybody fits it, it's Cesaro. Oh, for sure. I mean, or I guess you could say the next person on our list, his former tag team partner, Sheamus. A guy who has done everything. Yeah, except except (laughs) win the Intercontinental Championship, which if you guys follow him on Twitter, you'll actually see that he's mentioned it a few times that he really wants that Intercontinental Championship to complete the Grand Slam yeah. of his resume. But you look at his resume, like he's done so much. King of the Ring, Money in the Bank, the Royal Rumble, World Heavyweight Champion, WWE Champion, United States Champion, and then obviously we talked about the Tag Team Championships with Cesaro. This guy has done it all except win the Intercontinental Championship. And like Cesaro, I feel like, again, like he could be the gatekeeper of that division yeah you you know what's funny is Seamus came along you know in that like 2000 what was it 2009 I think he debuted and he was almost immediately WWE champion and I think that was off-putting to some people and and they did the same thing with guys like Jack Swagger where it was like they didn't have any stars because everybody went to TNA and then it was like boom the doors are open. Who's going to take it? And Sheamus was one of those guys who took it. And he became a world champion almost immediately. His feud with Triple H was memorable. You know, four-time world champion. Not just a former world champion. A four-time world yeah. champion. A legitimate world champion. A legitimate main eventer who has been in some amazing matches that sometimes you don't realize he was in. You know, and he has signature moments in it that you remember without even realizing, oh, right, that was Seamus. And now, you know, 42 years old, you know, has had some issues with his neck near the end of his career. As you said, he's done literally everything. Everything. There, of all the titles that you just said he won, the world title, the U.S., and the tag, he didn't just win them. He won them all multiple times. Yeah. He won King of the Ring, Money in the Bank, and Royal Rumble, like you said. Those are the three ways to solidify yourself as, like, a top star in the company. And he did all three. He's done everything except for the Intercontinental title. And I know that, you know, early in his career, he was criticized because people didn't think, oh, I don't know if he's a great wrestler, blah, blah, blah. Sheamus has evolved with the times. And... It seems weird to say this about a main eventer who has done all of these things. He's a workhorse too. Oh, for sure. And like and, you mentioned, you know, he's at the he's at the tail end of his career now. You yeah. know, with all the injuries that had gone on with his neck. Yeah. This would be a cool, you know, almost what's the what's the expression? Feather in his cap, right? Yeah. Give him that Grand Slam championship, which you know, you people need to understand the Grand Slam. It's not an easy feat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, Seamus was a guy who I think a lot of people hated at one point, and now he's a guy who I think just has universal respect. 
and you know the only thing standing in the way of Sheamus becoming Intercontinental Champion might be his top rival right now and that's another guy on our list look at you with that segue I love it baby all day segues I love it and that man ladies and gentlemen is a former four-time Intercontinental Champion Jeff Hardy ever since his brother left for um AEW you know he he was gone with personal reasons right but He's back, and now it looks like he and Sheamus are about to start kicking this feud off, which, you know, may be the final of this tournament, right? Yeah. But as Brian mentioned, he's he's got four Intercontinental Championships to his resume, and, you know, I can go down this list. There's so many. Jeff is another guy who's literally done everything. He actually yeah. is a Grand Slam champion. Yeah. And, you know... <laughs> You know, it's it, it seems strange to say. Maybe people who didn't watch during that time won't believe us. You know, he went to TNA, so it's easy to forget. And he was a big part of TNA. You know, he went in the mid-2000s, and then he went back, and he stayed there for, what, seven years? He he has three TNA World Championship reigns under his belt yeah. as well. He, like, he was one of the initial departures from WWE to TNA that really meant something. And... You know that it meant something because he came back to WWE and then he had more success than he'd ever had before in a company run by a guy who might be a little bitter at times. I would say so, considering a guy like Christian's still not in the Hall of Fame, but... We will do a whole fucking episode about that, believe me. That's for sure. That's for sure. But, for the time being, let's talk about Jeff Hardy. Three-time WWE World Champion. He's a former European champion. Obviously, we mentioned the four intercontinental titles. Also a former United States champion. He won the hardcore championship three times. The light heavyweight championship. He's an eight-time, excuse me, nine-time WWE World Tag Team Champion if you include the quote-unquote WCW reign. The guy's done everything. But now, just like Sheamus, 42 years old. One of the biggest stars in the history of wrestling, as crazy as it may sound to say that Vince McMahon strapped the rocket to Jeff Hardy on multiple occasions and wanted to send him to the moon. This is kind of like the last chance for Jeff Hardy to prove that he's still a top star today. And the intercontinental title is a title he's very familiar with. He's had some legendary feuds over that title. His feud with Umaga, man, if you haven't seen those matches, go back and watch Those dudes kill it. You know, and obviously he moved up, you know, the, the food chain, had the legendary feud with CM Punk, his feud with his own brother. And the moments, I mean, who the hell doesn't think of a Jeff Hardy moment as a wrestling fan? The dude is out of his mind and we love it. And to win the Intercontinental title at 42 years old would be an incredible feat and could potentially prove that Jeff has maybe one more world title run left in him. It's entirely possible, you know, especially with the injuries going on in WWE and the rosters not, I wouldn't say depleted, but there's definitely room for a guy like Jeff to be prominent again in the main event scene. Yeah. Why not, why not begin that process with an intercontinental championship run? Right. Absolutely. You know, he had, look, he has the pedigree and, you know, credit to him 
he's confronting his demons right now on screen for all of us to see. Yeah. And, you know, humbling himself and, you know, humility is a good color. And maybe this is his chance if he doesn't run on to his, uh, his rival, Sheamus. Yep. Which, you know, that if that is the final match of this tournament, it'll definitely, it'll definitely be a banger. Right. Yeah. Yep, and those two I feel like would definitely complement each other well in a in a re- in a match. Yeah, I agree. And uh, speaking of bangers, hey, how about the best guitarist in all of WWE, the best musician in all of WWE, the one and only, the man who should be a future world champion? Reddit is going to hate me for saying that, but it's true. I'm surprised, Elias. I'm surprised that Reddit doesn't like this man more. Because right. I you're you know, I'm gonna let you take the floor on this one primarily because you're a huge Elias fan. I love the guy too. I think he's much better than people make him out to be. Look, I'm an Elias mark. I, yeah. I own that wholeheartedly. And you know I the Intercontinental title, why is that a fit for him? Well, you know, I think that it would be cool to see Elias do with that title exactly what he has done since he started on Monday Night Raw, and that is hold us in the palm of his hand, suddenly close four fingers, leave one extended, and flip us the bird, forever thinking that we were his beloved. Love it. Elias is legitimately one of the best on the mic of all time, and nobody gives him his fucking props. That Seattle crowd, he had <laughs> yep. them booing for 10 minutes. You remember, Everywhere he went. He you remember how them. Kevin Owens, too, was reacting to that? Like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Kevin Owens could not believe it. And Elias was just eating it up. And that's what he did everywhere. He would go somewhere, and he would start. And it would you would think it would be redundant with the guitar and everything. And you know what it is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. People who never saw him live probably still don't get it. If you're in the building when that man is there, it's electric. And obviously, there's no crowd right now. So that might suggest that maybe we should postpone this a little bit. But let me give you a little bit of fantasy booking with Elias. Give it to me. How about this? How about Elias wins this tournament that will span the next month? finally wins a world world title any title besides the 24 7 damn championship doesn't count doesn't count but at least he got a slammy for breakout superstar of the year which led to nothing Yeah, yeah nothing at all let's say elias wins that title and let's say that if these reports of what florida intends to do are true we get a crowd at some point in the next two to three months How about Elias holds that title and he's competitive and he's winning matches and then we get what we deserve and that is Elias turning heel on us all. Just as we begin to love him, just as we begin to praise him, we get what we should have gotten all along. A snarky, conniving, cheating son of a bitch holding that title like all of the great heel champions before him many of whom were not quote-unquote great wrestlers, even though they're brolic, athletic, and have had good matches with everyone from Seth Rollins to Mustafa Ali. 
let's say we dive right into that narrative. Let Elias be who he is. We love him, and then he makes us hate him. Dive in. Give that man the gold he deserves. Solidify his status as a star, which you know he is because you had him on WrestleMania winning a match. I, we talk about the artist collective. The best artist in WWE is Elias, and I will not sleep until he's champion. I was really hopeful um, <clears throat> back in 2019, so last year, but that alliance he had with Shane McMahon, I thought that... <sighs> I thought that that was it for him. I know I mentioned before that the Intercontinental Championship for me back in the day was was it when it came to establishing that next superstar. Yeah. With or without a title, I think Elias is the guy that's going to be a main event star one day. Um, I feel like it should have happened already, to be quite honest. Me too. Especially, you know, he's had good matches with Roman Reigns. Yeah. Who is... You know, your guy besides Becky, who's gone now. But and by the way, last episode, check that out. Um, Cheap plug. <laughs> fuck it. Got to do it. But <laughs> that alliance with Shane McMahon to me was kind of like that stepping stone where I thought, OK, finally, this is a guy that I, I feel like Vince backstage would love. He's got a great look to him. I know he's got the beard, much like Rollins. And I mean, for God's sake, the guy's name in the Indies was what? um it was something Jesus, heavy metal Jesus, <laughs> you know? So I just, I think his time's coming. I think his time should have already happened, but yeah. 32 years old right now, he's still got a lot of time ahead of him. If he so chooses to continue his career in pro wrestling. Yeah. I, I think for sure, eventually he's going to be a world <laughs> champion, but right yeah. now it, I mentioned before there were two guys on this list that I feel needed this championship, and Elias is that guy. Yeah, and, and look, he's had big wins. You know, I know that people are going to laugh at this name, but he beat a former world champion in Jinder Mahal. He beat Dolph Ziggler. He beat Bobby Lashley. You know, he's pinned Kevin Owens. He pinned Dean Ambrose. I mean, for what it's worth, he pinned Jeff Jarrett. You know, he's had some signature moments and even wins, and then it just hasn't gone anywhere because they haven't followed up on it and I, look I, I don't know what the future holds for Elias I personally thought that you know that great symphony of destruction match with Braun and Elias against Cesaro and Shinsuke you know I, I thought that was going to be the step in the next direction and if you look at it you know for what it's worth Elias is 6-0 and in his past six wrestling matches Minus the Royal Rumble. We're not going to count that. And no. by the way, he was an incredibly entertaining part of the Royal Rumble. Uh, I, I, look, I, I think that, again, we talk about moments. Elias has had a lot of moments for a guy who's barely been on the roster. And at some point, you have to either validate him or let him go. And I really hope that if it's not this tournament, it's sometime soon that he is validated. I love it. And <clears throat> that concludes our top five um prospective intercontinental champions right but we do have one honorable mention yes we do and that honorable mention is a guy that has taken taken a gimmick of a dead rock star and kind of kind of made it his own right Uh, although although to be uh, you know you got to remember he was johnny impact johnny nitro johnny this johnny that johnny lucha 
Johnny, whatever the hell you want to call him, but John Morrison. He now the reason why he is an honorable mention is because he's still part of a tag team with the Miz, right? Who another guy who I could totally see in this tournament, but Morrison's a guy who he's done almost everything in WWE except obviously the WWE Championship or World Heavyweight Championship, unless you want to count the ECW Championship, which you shouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, a three-time Intercontinental Champion, uh, he's won the World Tag Team Championship with The Miz, the WWE Tag Team Championship four times with, you know, Joey Mercury and The Miz as well, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, obviously. He won Tough Enough. Yeah, something. But, um, look, I'm a, big, I'm a big Morrison fan myself, and he's another guy who I thought... Should have been the star. I feel like maybe if he had stayed in WWE and not had left for Impact and Lucha Underground, yeah. he might have had a run. Who knows, though, right? You know, either way, either way, um, I think it would be a big mistake in the SmackDown Tag Team Division to split Miz and Morrison up right now, especially considering you have Otis um, and Heavy Machinery maybe not really a part of the plans moving forward together due to Otis's money in the bank briefcase yeah. victory. So that's one tag team down. You know, who's New Day going to feud? Do you, you know, one, uh, excuse me for not knowing which Uso's injured, but one is, um, I, I probably should look that up, but that's okay. Um, so who's left the forgotten sons. And Lucha House Party. Right. So, again, it's a completely depleted SmackDown tag team scene. Unless you want to call up a team from... Or, I don't I don't know if I want to call it a call-up or a linear move from NXT, but Undisputed Era would... You know, this is a completely different topic. Like, I can go on about tag teams that should be on SmackDown but aren't. But my point is, it may be a mistake to break up Miz and Morrison right now, but... Maybe that leads to a feud between the two for the Intercontinental Championship. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. And look, the <clears throat> the reality is, you know, for the people that don't know, the reason that John Morrison left in the first place, WWE was continuously using him in a prominent role. He was mm-hmm. going to be a future world champion. He They asked him to re-sign on a multi-year contract. He didn't because he had injuries, including his neck. He didn't necessarily agree with the creative direction of his character, but, you know, there were injuries he wanted to nurse and the schedule of WWE was intense. So he left. He actually took time off from wrestling as a whole. He went into acting more so than returning to wrestling, and it really wasn't until Lucha Underground that we saw him again consistently. Right. Now he's back. He's 40 years old. You have to think that while it's fun to see, you know, him and the Miz back together teaming, they're three time tag team champions together, you know, it's it's fun. But you have to think that he didn't just come back to win a tag team title. You have to think he has bigger aspirations. And if that proves to be true, becoming a four time intercontinental champion would be a great way to propel himself to the next level, even if the Miz does get a little jealous. Right. Absolutely. And to your point, I think you need different directions with John Morrison. I feel like he's a good heel. I feel he's a good face. You can do whatever you want with him. But one thing's for sure, while he is an honorable mention, and we would probably like to see 
any of the other five guys featured for the championship more, I guess you could say. Yeah. Morrison would be a bad option. Neither of them is, quite frankly. You know, maybe we can add him there really quick, but same thing. He's won the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Championship, what, eight times now? Yeah. So that's something to think about as well. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> really the reality is whoever ends up winning this title is going to have a burden to carry, and that is kind of reestablishing this title as the workhorse belt. And that is why we have one more honorable mention swerving on all of you, and that is the best wrestler. Just kidding. That is the mm-hmm. most hated man in all of professional wrestling, King Baron Corbin. This when you texted me this and you told me that you wanted to make him an honorable mention, I said, go right ahead. But this is all you, Chief. <laughs> Look, I understand that and even why people dislike Baron Corbin. He does everything he can, both on Friday Night Smackdown and on social media, to get under your damn skin. And he succeeds. But you know what? The dude is as legitimate an athlete and fighter as anyone on the roster, and we never really talk about that. The dude played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He was good enough to make it to the NFL after going to Northwest Missouri State. Stop me if you know anything about them. Nope, I'm good. Worked his way there. Didn't work out for him. You know what else he did? He won the Golden Gloves Championship three times. If you don't know what that is, it's an amateur boxing award that basically says you're the best amateur boxer in the United States, the country. He's also an accomplished grappler. The dude is a legitimate fighter. He's six foot eight. He's athletic as hell, and I know that it was cool for a little while to say he can't wrestle, but it's bullshit, and we know that now, right? I think that's safe to say. Like, the dude has had some pretty awesome matches over the past year or so. You know, and look, he won the United States title early in his career. Some people might have felt it was a little too early. Whatever. Moving forward, he wins King of the Ring. And since then, it's kind of been a steady stream of losses. Yeah. When was the last time he won a match? I guess he beat Gulak a few, a few weeks ago, or he won a six-man tag a few weeks last week. But no disrespect to Gulak, who's a rising star unto himself. But what was the last big win? The Roman Reigns feud was literally just Roman beating the crap out of King Corbin. Every, in, every literally, Not just every pay-per-view, every show other than TLC. The dude's been eating shit for months. And now... The king needs to be coronated. And what better way to do that than with the intercontinental title, a title that nobody wants to see him win, which is just exactly what he is, the dude that nobody wants to see be successful. But no matter how badly you hate him, you can't really deny how good he is. Like you said, former former Money in the Bank winner, former King of the Ring, uh, former United States champion. He also won the Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- another he like Elias, he's got such a bright future ahead of him. And an Intercontinental Championship brain would definitely be something that 
elevates his career. You know, as you mentioned, he had that feud with Roman Reigns. He was he was the raw general manager at one point. Yeah. If for him, I would have pushed myself into more championship matches. But <laughs> obviously that's not something that he could have done, but I digress. He's like like you like you mentioned again, six eight, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. He's only thirty-five. He people give him a lot of shit because he quote unquote can't wrestle, which I think again, like you said, probably bullshit, right? Yeah. But I think the inner you know, this he may be another guy for me that, you know, I can't say these three guys need this title because obviously you can't have three champions, but Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I think, um, I don't believe you mentioned this part, but he did retire Kurt Angle. Ah, there you go. I don't, and that's pretty big, right? I would say Kurt Angle's a decorated champion and we could do a whole episode on him. We should. Yeah. But. We will. There you go. I like how we do this on the fly. But, (laughs) you know, Baron Corbin has that in his resume as well, but he's another guy. He's got time on his hands. He's only 35, but. Why not push him now to that role and just watch the – I mean, when the crowds come back, but watch when the crowds see him as champion, they're going to lose their shit. Yep. Yes, Which they what will. you want, by the way. Yes, exactly. Look, Corbin is hateable. Corbin is a dick. <laughs> but he's a good character. <laughs> and he's a good wrestler. And – for dudes six eight and taller, you don't see many who can do what he does. He has a pretty damn cool move set. Let's be real. The end of days is fucking awesome. I love that fucking move. Deep six. Good lord in heaven. Especially when uh, Shorty G Chad Gable takes that move. It's awesome. <laughs> and that little, you know, the you know, run outside, come back in for the clothesline, you know. And, oh yeah, when he slides out. Yep, paying homage to Big Boss Man. Pretty freaking cool. It's you know, different. Yeah. Really different and really cool. Look, Corbin, I get it. He's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's exactly why he's perfect to be a champion because you can't wait to see him lose it. And that's how you make a baby face. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another edition of the Heel Turns and Headlocks podcast. We cannot thank you enough for the support you continue to show us. We wouldn't be here today without all of you, and we can't wait to help blah 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 and we can't wait for you to continue on this journey with us we have big things in the works including an app bear just plug it away you're the best at this it's what i do i shamelessly promote our shit (laughs) the app is still coming it's still in the works um app design is apparently a lot harder than i thought it would be which shout out to all you app developers that are listening to this um fuck that um, yeah, we still have t-shirts, by the way, below the collar.com slash heel turns and headlocks. We have a website, which more content will be available there. I promise. Eventually we're working on it. Heel turns and headlocks.com. Like we're so professional and legit. We have a.com. Uh, let's see. Facebook.com, yeah. which by the way, Mr. Brian LaPrey here has been doing outstanding work on Facebook. And a lot of people are engaging in it right now, having great conversation about it and it's been really cool to see again facebook.com slash heel turns and headlocks i keep telling you guys that i will change the twitter name eventually i will but today's not that day heel underscore turns underscore pod 
eventually I will change the name. Today is not that day. Tomorrow may not be that day. I'll probably forget until next episode, and then I will do this all over again. That's <sighs> how we do things around. Then, that that is how we fucking do things around here. Oh, Instagram, heel turns and headlocks. Am I missing anything? I don't think so. If I am, bear with me. Ah. That that is going to be the name of Bear's solo episodes. Bear with me. Oh God. Uh, on that lovely note again thank you all for listening thank you stay safe during all this chaos and craziness and uh wash your hands wash your hands and wear a mask wear a mask and do what everybody in the world should do love professional wrestling